Okay, we're now in encounter six, believe it or not. We had five encounters yesterday, and we were shooting at each other, right? That's what you call encounter. You, you, know, you, you have a conflict, and you resolve the conflict together. For those of you who were here, and for those of you who were not here also uh, yesterday, and I'm sure you already, one way or another, encountered these truths in the past. And I'm going to ask you the same question, just the same. What life-changing truths have you encountered so far? Number one, that God loves you unconditionally and desires a father-child loving relationship with you. Say amen if you realized that yesterday. Amen. Oh, say amen again if you realized that. Amen. amen. God loves you unconditionally because that's the kind of father he is. You are loved and you are special. Number two. Sin is bad. Sin is bad. It destroys and it has undesirable consequences. Right? You realize that? And for all intents and purposes, I think we have to really avoid sin, however small, at all costs. And then we also learn that only the blood of Christ through the cross can remove our sins. Say amen to that. Amen. Therefore, only Jesus saves. Not your good works, not our efforts, not religion, not anything else. Except Jesus. Only Jesus saves. That's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus will not say that unless it's founded on spiritual truth. And also yesterday we said, you can be free from the power of sin. Really? Chris? You can be free from the power of sin. Many of us are so disappointed with the way we live. We keep falling. We keep sinning. And, you know, yesterday we discovered that there's a way for you to be delivered from the power of sin and live in victory. Not on your own power. And we learned that it's all about the exchange life. You know, there is an exchange life. No longer I, but Christ. Say that, no longer I, but Christ. Every time you're confronted with a challenge where the challenge appears to be much, much bigger than all of your resources, I would like you to consider expressing that, no longer I, but Christ. Because Christ is bigger than all of your problems combined. Did you, were you also blessed by the personal stories of George, Bobby, Marina, how, how this, this precious truths impacted you through what they've shared? You know, I'm changing my, uh, my loyalty. I will no longer be loyal to George. I'll be loyal to Bobby now, okay? <laughs> ha! George has been dislodged, okay? There is Bobby who is... Never mind, okay? And... Uh, if you were not here yesterday, you will just approach these people and tell them their stories. They're wonderful. And um, it's just amazing how God can change lives of people, broken people, people go making mistakes all over the place, and God will just put them hold back for his honor and glory. The question now for all of us is, where do we go from here? Right? Uh, we, we know much already. But, you know, okay, what now? So what and what now? Where do we go? Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? I submit to you, we have to have a vision. And that vision is not just anybody's vision, but God's vision. Is vision important? What's vision? It's like an eyesight. Try closing your eyes or put a plaster on your eyes and then walk. You can't because you'll be falling all over the place, guys. And we take it for granted. We have eyes. We can see where we're going. And you know, that is physically, literally. But spiritually, the same thing is true. Without a vision, 
will get lost. But again, there are many visions that people are giving people all over the place. The world is giving us a vision. Satan is giving us a vision. But I submit to you, the only vision that we guys have to take is God's vision. And if we don't know God's vision, there's a problem. Proverbs 29:18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's very self-explanatory, isn't it? And I'd like to take it from the message version. And it says, if people can't see what God is doing, oops, what happens? They stumble all over themselves. That's pretty true, right? You can ask Marina, you can ask Bobby, you can ask George. If people do not see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But, I'm so glad there's a but. But, when they attend to what he reveals, they are what? They are what? Most blessed. blessed. You know, we were singing a song this morning. And I kind of wrote it down, okay? It says, oops. Bless me indeed, open wide my horizon. Did you did you remember? Do you remember singing that? Oh, do you want me to sing it again? Yeah. Oh, man. Come on, guys. Yes. 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 Open wide my horizon. Yeah. Bless me indeed. Open wide my horizon to share your name. I, I like to be blessed. Don't you like to be blessed? You know, many people go about their lives, going through many things, facing all the challenges because they want the blessings of this world. And, and the Bible is very clear. You want to be most blessed? I'd love that. I think you're not just saying it, but deep down inside, you're saying, hey, I want that. But it's so bad. It's so unfortunate that we, we don't know where to get it. We, we keep looking for the blessing in different places and we hit walls and in the process hurt ourselves along the way. But the Bible is very simple. It says, but those, oh, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So this morning, I'd like us to think about this message. Where do we go from here? Be most blessed, see God's vision, own it, and do it. Say that. Okay. Be most blessed. You know, in the past six months, God has given me an opportunity to really experience His blessing, not financial. His blessing that only he can give. I, I have been seeing God's hand move in our lives. And to me, that's priceless. You know, in the last six months, when Pastor Peter gave me the assignment of helping other leaders um, consider disciple-making movements in North America and in Canada, I told God, God, what? how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? This is, this is big, okay? And he said, no, just, just, just walk with me. And you know, I discovered that being most blessed is really found in the reality of this verse in our lives. In Romans 8.28, it says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Guys, Look at me. If everything in your life, whatever you're going through right now, will work together for good, and I mean everything, whatever you're, you're going through right now, the, the problems, the jobs, challenges, and if all of those things will work together for good, isn't that blessing? And you know, who's saying it? The God of the universe who's almighty, who's holy, and who's perfect, and who only wants to give you the best in this life. And if he says he's going to make all things work together for good, man, 
Believe me, that is being most blessed. But clearly, it's not for everybody, right? But I submit to you, it's for the people who are here at the very least who says those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. If you love God and if you are called according to His purpose, this will kick in. And all things will work together for good. And I've seen that, guys. I've seen that. I've seen God work with things, arrange people, and I say, oh, God, you're awesome. And you're good. And you know what? What's the condition? Just, just love God and know His purpose. If you don't know His purpose, if you don't know what's in His head and what's in His heart, how can you possibly love God? And how can, how can God possibly make things work all together for good for you? Hard, diba? But if you know what's in the heart of God, then you will be able to do that. That's why this morning I'm asking you, see God's vision. See what God has in store for us. Own it and do it. Not just see it, but do something about it. It's about time that we do something about it. Because if you do, then you prove that you love God and you are doing exactly what His purpose is for you. Am I making sense? Yes. If that happens, then you're most blessed. You see the principle? Woo! Yeah? yeah. Amen. That's why Proverbs 29 it says, if people can see what God is doing, they stumble all over the place. The opposite of being blessed. But when they attend to what he reveals, they're most blessed. So, there is being most blessed, but it depends on seeing and then doing. Being most blessed, see and do. See and do. It's not see, period. Or do something which you don't see. You know, it has to follow naturally from what God is revealing. So, what does God want you to see and do from now on in order to be most blessed? Two things. Two things first. Number one, God wants you to see that He is the center and He is the ultimate. You know, unless we see this, we will never regard God as God. And put God as God. We will always say, Oh God, later na, I'm busy now. But if you see that God is the ultimate, and He is the center of the universe, and that you're not, then your perspective will change. Revelations. The Revelation is the last book of the Bible, and it talks about the future. It talks about what's going to happen in the end. Okay? All of us are going to die. It's been, um, the, the latest finding is that 100% of men will die eventually. Okay? Did you know that? Okay? And when we die, we're going somewhere else. Okay? Either you go there or here. Okay? But as far as we're concerned, we know that we're going to go somewhere where God is. And where God is, this will be the picture. It says, the 24 elders fell down before him, worshipped him, the eternal living one, and that's God, and cast their crowns before the throne, singing, whatever they singing, O Lord, you are worthy to receive the glory and the honor and the power, for you have created all things. They were created and called into being by your act of will. What does that mean? You alone, God, receives glory and honor. Everything is all about you. God wants us to see that Jesus also is the center and the ultimate. God and Jesus, they're one. Remember? Right? Colossians 1.16 For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things have been created by him and for him. Do you see that? I mean, Jesus created you for his own purposes. Jesus saved you for his purposes. It's all about God and it's all about Jesus. That's the first thing that he wants you and I to see. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus and not us. It's all about the vision of God 
and it's all about the vision of Jesus. Unless you see that vision, it's not going to be about God. It's going to be about us and our busyness doing all sorts of things which are not consistent with the vision of Jesus and the vision of God. Number two, if he's the center and he's the ultimate, obviously he wants us to see his vision and do his vision. So, here is God's vision. And I'd like you to picture this. This is God's vision. In other words, when God, let God be God. When God created the universe, he had his agenda from the very beginning up to the very end. The script is written, in other words, guys. And there's nothing we can do to change the script, by the way. Okay? We can go through this life, be part of the script or not. But nonetheless, the script is written. Say, you know, you agree because God is sovereign. God is God. Let God be God. And in that final scene in the script, it says in Revelations 9 to 10, the apostle John says, after this I looked and there before me was what? A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? Jesus. Jesus. Okay, so picture this. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Do you see the, 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 see the, 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 the two words, great multitude? You know, in the final scene, God is foreseeing the Son being worshipped and there's a great multitude of people. Great multitude of saved peoples. Okay? Asians, Americans, Indians, I mean all sorts of nations are gathered together at the end and this is the vision that God has. That's his vision. In the end, all of us will be there worshiping at the throne of the Lamb of God. Great multitude saves. That's his final, that's his vision. And in Revelations, further, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, they all fell down their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. That's going to be the picture. Multitudes of saved peoples worshiping God and Jesus. Picture that in your mind. Now, here's the vision of Jesus. Jesus has a vision too. And his commission to you and me. I want you to connect the great multitudes with the vision of Jesus. Here's the vision of Jesus. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Do you see that? You know, the, the end is a great multitude. And Jesus said, for that to happen, I got to give you the great commission. You have to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Wow. And I'd like to submit to you that the heart of Jesus and the God and God the Father determine what's, what's in the heart of Jesus and God the Father determines the vision. You know what's in the heart of Jesus and God the Father? Here's what's in their heart. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. You know, Jesus has a great burden for those people who are perishing. Remember yesterday on the first message on the Father's love? The shepherd, how many sheep was lost? One. How many sheep did the shepherd have? One hundred. He lost one and he went out of his way for that lost one. It tells you a picture of what? God's love for the lost. And then in uh, 1 Timothy 2.4, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I want you to see the heart of God. Because in the heart of God, when you see the heart of God, you will see the vision that God has and understand his vision. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, and seeing the multitudes... He, Jesus, felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. 
That's the heart of Jesus and that's the heart of God. And Jesus wants his vision to be our vision. His vision became the Apostle Paul's vision. His vision became the believer's vision. So my question to us here now is, are you now a believer of Jesus? That's not too convincing. Are you now a believer of Jesus? Yes. If you are believers of Jesus, then I submit to you, then you have to have his vision. You have to have his vision. You have to see what's in his heart, and you have to have his vision. And you know what? As selfish as we are, I'm going to do this because I want to be most blessed. <laughs> I want to be most blessed. And you know, God, God is, is a good God. He gives... He knows what, what we're looking for. But he's going to give it to you in a way that is consistent with his will and with his heart. And that's why if you see his vision as Paul did, my prayer is that it will be your vision as well. You know, Jesus gave his vision to the Apostle Paul in a very, very interesting way. In Acts 26, 14-19, we see the situation there. Paul, on the way to Damascus, said, he was relating this story, we all fell down, and I, Paul, heard a voice speaking to me in Hebrew, which says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? You are only hurting yourself. Who are you, sir, I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now stand up, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and my witness. You are to tell the world all about this experience and about the many other occasions when I shall appear to you. You see this? Christ appeared to the Apostle Paul. And in verse 17 and 18, And I will protect you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles and open their eyes to their true condition so that so that they may repent and live in the light of God instead of Satan's darkness. So that they may receive forgiveness for their sins and God's inheritance along with all the people everywhere whose sins are cleansed away, who are set apart by faith in me. What happened? Paul said, and so, O King Agrippa, because he was right before King Agrippa explaining his case. What did Paul say? I was not disobedient to that vision from heaven. In other words, the Apostle Paul caught the vision of Jesus of what? Sharing the gospel to the lost. The reason why God caught the attention of Paul or Jesus caught the attention of Paul and shook him is because he wanted Paul to see his vision and burden for the lost. And did the Apostle Paul get it? Yes. He got it. He got it. The Apostle Paul got it. And... Likewise, Jesus' vision and his commission to you and me is very clear. The same thing. Jesus is consistent from the very beginning up to the very end. They want a lot of people saved. They want a lot of people worshiping them in the end. But that's not going to happen until we see that vision. And that vision to you and me is this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is the same thing all over again. But I would like you now, guys, to put it in the proper perspective. After you encounter the truth about Jesus loving you, or God the Father loving you, after encountering the truth that you cannot save yourself because of sin, and after encountering the truth that Jesus is the only one who can save you, right? And that you can actually live in a victorious way by having the power of the Holy Spirit come into your life. What now? You know what Jesus says? I saved you because I want you to save, help other people get saved too in the same way that you got saved. Because I want you and the rest of those people there who are perishing to be in that final scene where everybody will be worshiping me and many people will be happy with me forever in paradise. Wow, that's a scene that Jesus wants us to see. That's why he said, go, Chris, make disciples. Joel, make disciples. Omar, make disciples. Right? Hello. No? That's what he's saying. And 
Will you, like the Apostle Paul, see the vision and do it? Not easy. I submit to you, not easy. I was struggling when Pastor Peter said, Danny, you already helped uh, CCFLA. Why don't you start helping other leaders in North America? Uh, the same thing. Huh? Bakit ako? Bakit hindi si Ike? Bakit ako? You know, it's not, it's not easy, guys. It's so daunting and so scary. I'm not going to tell you it's easy. It's really scary. But, but first, you need to see. You need to, 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 to kind of feel the heartbeat of Jesus. Because if you don't, you'll never share that passion and the burden. Or close your eyes to the vision and offer excuses. Ah, uh, I'm so young. My bank account is only four million. I need seven more million. Offer excuses. Ano raw? Pork Yo, you have to pray. You have to pray for our country, guys. Okay, you have to pray for the Philippines. Are you gonna close your eyes to the vision? Are you gonna offer excuses and ignore it? I hope not. And I would like to share with you lessons, lessons from the past, lessons from Moses, how Moses offered excuses and how eventually God used Moses to be able to make the visions true. God got the attention of Moses in the first place. How did he do that? By the burning bush. You know the story? You know, if you see a burning car around, okay, and you're right next to it, you better be sure that God is calling you, okay? <laughs> right? Maybe that's going to be your car too for all intents and purposes. Right? God has a way of getting your attention, by the way. Seriously. You know, and you keep, if you keep ignoring, if you keep ignoring, okay, Believe me, he's going to get your attention. And like what he did to the Apostle Paul, what did he do? He blinded the Apostle Paul. Right? And what he did to me, you know my story? He crippled me first. Okay? He made me paralyzed for about a week or two to make me understand and make me realize, hey, what are you doing? Hey, wake up. Okay? And you know, until you realize that God, God's vision is bigger than all of the vision combined in this world, believe me, he will not stop until he gets your attention. It's a matter of when. It's not a matter of if. Okay, where's Ulrich? He disappeared, okay? Every time I say something that will hit, you know, my friend Ulrich disappears, okay? Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire and in the midst of a bush. And he looked. And behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Oh, wow. And then Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why this bush is not burned up? Duh. Okay. So what happened? God called Moses, right? When the Lord saw that he turned aside and looked, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Nate, Nate. Okay. Nate goes, Not, not. Okay. Pedro, Pedro. Ike, Ike. Alex, Alex. Philip, Philip. I said, George's no longer my idol, okay? You know, Bobby, Bobby is. But I think Bobby was so embarrassed, he never appeared today, see? <laughs> Moses, Moses, he said. And God said, here I am. Moses said, here I am. Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing ground, uh, ground is holy. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face and he was afraid to look at God. Wow. Wow. I mean, what a sight. I mean, sometimes I really wonder, I, I really envy Moses, you know, to, to be able to see the God move in a very powerful, 
wonderful way. And then what? God gave his vision to Moses. After getting the attention, he gave the vision. Okay? And here's the vision. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I'm aware of their sufferings. Verse 8, so I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. God gave a vision for Moses to see that the, Egyptian, sorry, the Israelites are suffering and God wants those people to be freed. And the response of Moses was very quick. Who am I? But I am not the person. He, he gave excuses right away, very quick, just like many of us will. But I'm not the person for the job like that, Moses said. Moses exclaimed. God told him, I will certainly be with you. You know, God understands us. In the same way that I said, Lord, how am I going to do this work that Pastor Peter gave me? And you know what God said? Just, just walk with me. Just, just stay with me. I'm going to show you how to do it. And when you walk with God and stay with God, and you start to begin to see the hand of God, believe me, you will never be the same. The reason why we are like this today, not, not as convinced, not as passionate as where God wants us to be is because we, we actually have not really seen the hand of God real in our lives. And I submit to you that Moses, in his experience, saw the certainty of God being in him. And God, and, and, and God said, and this is the proof that I, am, that I am the one who is sending you. When you have led the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God here upon this mountain. And we know the story. This, that happened. When they left Egypt, they ended up worshiping God in the same mountain that God appeared to Moses for the first time in a burning bush. And then Moses said, well, 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 what if I'm questioned? You know, I mean, isn't that very common to all of us? I'm not ready. You know, people might ask me questions. I heard that there is this, this guy, Peter Lucero, who asks different, difficult questions. Okay? I'm not, I'm not going to be ready for that guy. Okay? You know? So, what am I in question? Okay? And God said, but Moses asked, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them that their father's God has sent me, they will ask, which God are you talking about? What shall I tell them? See the questions? The sovereign and the, uh, tell them the sovereign God was the reply. Just say, I am sent me. What if they don't believe me? Uh, endless, no? But Moses said, they won't believe me. They won't do what I tell them. They'll say, Jehovah never appeared to you. Right? Doubts and everything like that. And then God said, God works in a very mysterious way. And sometimes he will do this to you. Chris, he will do this to you. He said, what do you have there in your hand? Okay? And the Lord asked him and he replied, a shepherd's rod. Oh, a shepherd's rod? Okay. Ooh, oh yeah, shepherd's rod. And then, what did God say to Moses? Throw it down the ground. Okay? And Lord told him, so he threw it down and it became a serpent. <laughs> and Moses, what happened? Ran away from it. Do you see the comedy scene here? Right? Here's a guy saying, what am I going to do? What, what will I explain to them? And God said, what's in your hand? Throw it down the ground. What happened? It became a snake, right? A serpent, and he ran away. Then the Lord told him, oh, don't go. Grab it by the tail. <laughs> if, you, if you were Moses, would you do it? Huh? I mean, will you do it? It's a serpent. And then God said, grab it by the tail. And when he did, it became a rod in his hand. You see, I was picturing it. Siguro, if I was the one there, I would have run away <laughs> completely. <laughs> All right? One thing that really scares me are two things. One is a spider, and the other one is a snake. Okay? Even if, even if this, this will become a snake, and God makes it a snake, and God tells me to grab it, I won't. Okay? You see, the point I'm trying to say is this. If I don't grab it back, will I be able to know that God is in control? And that God is powerful and everything? If Moses ran away and did not go back and grab it, what would have happened? He would have forfeited it, right? He would have said, nah, 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 nah. You're not going to make it happen. 
But he believed. He grabbed the tail and that serpent became the rod. Okay? And you know, wow. Moses would have said, wow, I believe you. You're going to be with me and I won't be scared because you're a powerful God. Oh, man. I, I'd like to see that God in my life. Don't you? Right? You know, Lord, can you make my wife submit? Okay. <laughs> What's that in your hand? Oh, a gun, okay? Okay, throw it down, and the gun becomes a rose. Wow. Uh, I mean, guys, if you see that happen, if you see that happen, you will believe your God, right? You know, I'm setting myself up. It's our anniversary, so, you know. <laughs> Verse 5. Do that and they will believe you, the Lord told him. They will realize that Jehovah, the God of their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has really appeared to you. And actually, Moses did that, right? He threw the rod, it became a serpent, and all of the, the magicians of Pharaoh ran away. And then he grabbed it again and it became a rod. And all of the people believed, oh, this guy is cool. You know, to use the expression of Pastor Reggie, dude, dude, you're the man, okay? Whew. Guys, all you have to do is to trust and to obey. If you don't trust what God says, and if he tells you something and you don't obey it, you're not going to see the Almighty God do what is impossible for you. But if you trust and obey him, and you do what he tells you, even if it doesn't make sense to you, then you will be able to prove that he is the God of the impossible. Say amen to that, please. Amen. He's the God of the impossible. He continued after the snake. What did he say? But I have never been eloquent. I'm not as eloquent as Pastor in song. Right? I'm not as eloquent as Pastor Danny. Okay? But Moses pleaded, Oh Lord, I'm just not a good speaker. I have never been. And I'm not now. Even after you've spoken to me, for I have a speech impediment. Can you see this Moses complaining and giving all sorts of excuses for the things that God has shown him in a very big way? Guys, amazing. And then what did God say? Who makes mouths? Patay, see okay. And I think right there, Moses became a big mouth. Okay. You know, every time I see a big mouth, I say like bunganga. Okay. And my wife will say, Bunganga, be big. Be big. Okay. bunganga. Can you imagine? God will make you out, you know, will just convert you into a big be big. Oh man. Well, who makes who makes a man so that he can speak or not speak, see or not see, hear or not hear? These are all rhetorical questions, right? Now, go ahead. Do as I tell you, for I will help you to speak well, and I will tell you what to say. You know, if God is going to remind you that I am in charge, I'm going to take care of you, will you be scared? No. Come on, guys, will you be scared? No. Will all of your excuses and all of your reasons stand? Well, initially, yes, but eventually, you will forfeit. You will forfeit the chance if you keep running away. But if you step up and believe, you know, it's my time. It's my time. Daddy, it's our time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with you and let's talk to all of those Kalbiganon and Sama, Samarians, okay? Sa, sa, from Samar, okay? Samarians. And... And let's share the gospel with them, okay? Because, because the mouth will come from God. Wow. One of these days, Daddy will do that. I know that for sure. Conclusions for Moses. Moses caught God's vision, and he eventually obeyed the vision. 
what happened to the people? They left Egypt and they eventually went to the promised land. Wow. Do you see the vision? They left slavery. They eventually went to the promised land. And you know, it's the same vision that God is showing us here. So many people are enslaved in their sins. So many people are dying and they're going to go to hell. And Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to save them. I want you to share with them the good news that they don't have to go to hell. I want you to free them from their slavery and bring them to the promised land called heaven. What's so bad about that? But of course, we say, uh, uh, let, let Butch do it. Let him do it. Let him do it, not me. But God said, no, I'm calling you. People are dying. You can free them. Moses caught the vision. And God made Moses successful in leading Israel out of Egypt. So again, what is vision? Vision is what God sees. And if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I appeal to you, see what God is telling you to see, and then do what God is telling you. And then what? Here's the promise. You will be most blessed. Everything will work together for good for you. I don't know what's going on with your life today. I'm sure you're facing a lot of challenges and many questions in your life. But I submit to you, please, let those all blur. Put them out of focus and let the vision that God is showing you get into focus. Because the only thing that God wants you to do right now is to bless you. But you are trying to put that aside because you think the blessings of the world is much better than what, the world, than what God can offer you. I'm telling you, be like Moses. See it. Give, give all of your excuses, but eventually succumb to the will of God and to the power of God. Let me give you a contrast. A lesson from the 12 spies. There's Moses and then the lesson from the 12 spies. You know, they were about to go to enter the promised land and God said to Moses, hey, gather 12 spies and let them see the promised land. Go there and see how beautiful it is. Okay, remember the story? Okay, Numbers 13, 1 to, 12, 1, uh, 1 to 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send out for yourself men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give you, to the, we give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, everyone, everyone a leader among them. What was God's plan? He just wanted the 12 spies to see how beautiful the land is. And by the way, God said, hey, I've given that land to you, huh? no more questions. I just want you to take a look at it in advance, just to whet your appetite, so to speak. So they went there. Wow, they saw that the land is really beautiful, huh? You know, the grapes were this big, huh? This big. But, you know, because the grapes were this big, the people were that big too, okay? They were giants. You know, they saw giants there. So, you know, here there's people, oh, this place is really nice. But when the people appeared, they were so big, okay? I am, never mind, okay? <laughs> My son is tall, okay? Okay? But my son, compared to those giants, they were scared. So what did they do? They all got back, and they gave a bad report. They said, no, 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 no. No, we're going to die, okay? The men of Israel rejected the vision of God, right? Even though God said, hey, that land is for you. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's so rich, it's yours. But when they saw the giants, Nathan, they ran away. They ran away. They said, no, 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 no. They rejected the vision. Why? They became fearful. It did not make any sense to them because they did not have faith in God, that God will deliver them. What happened? They wandered in the desert for 40 years. You know the story? Those 10 spies, two were, two were good, Caleb, Caleb and Joshua. 
But the rest gave a bad report, so the majority wins at that time. There was already democracy. So they did not proceed, right? And it, the result was what? They wandered in the desert, and that generation perished. Do you see the consequences of not seeing what God sees and not obeying what God wants us to do? We just delay, okay? We just delay God's plans, and we hurt people along the way together with our lack of faith and rejection of God's vision. The vision of Jesus for you. Very nice. This is, this is, if you're a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is for you. John 15 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Wow, how personal is that? You know, Chris, I chose you, Jesus said, and I appointed you. That you should go what? Bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. Wow. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Do you like that? Be honest with me. Do you like that? If Jesus is telling you, Ardi, I chose you. I appointed you that you go bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. I like that. And then Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Ooh, for apart from me, you can do nothing. He gives you a vision and he gives you a how-to. I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to make you fruitful. And you know how you be fruitful? Abide in me because I am the vine and you are the branch. And all you have to do is to abide. The vision of Jesus for you is very simple. Bear much fruit and your fruit will remain. How? And I'm about to end. Abide in Jesus so that he will abide in you. Say that to each other. Abide in Jesus so that he will abide in you. Abide in Jesus how? You know, as I was studying scriptures, uh, it's very clear. The scripture will answer itself. In John 15, verse 9 to 10, review this. You know, review the, whole, review the whole chapter, if you like, when you get home. And it says, abide in my love. You know how to abide in Jesus? Abide in my love, Jesus said. If you keep my commandments, whew, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. You know what I understood all of a sudden? I saw the Great Commission. And I'm not making this up. Young people, I'm not making this up so that to make you push you discipleship again. No. Jesus said, abide in me and I will make you fruitful. How will you abide in Jesus? Obey his commandments. No wonder he said, go and make disciples teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and law him with you always, even to the end of the age. Is that a coincidence or is that consistency? That's consistency. You know, the Great Commission is the vision of Jesus for you and me, his disciples. Question is, will you take the challenge? Ooh. You know, we have a couple here today that took the challenge, and I would like to call them. Nat and Raquel, can you please come forward? Take the challenge. By realizing that what Jesus did on the cross for us was out of his love, goodness, and grace, sharing the gospel becomes a humbling experience. By becoming friends of Christ, our witness becomes a powerful presentation of the gospel. Many times, we feel witnessing as too frightening a task or too burdensome a duty. But by fixing our eyes firmly on how beautiful Christ is, 
the fear and the burden become infinitely smaller. Regardless whether it's Bible study group, D group, sharing, witnessing, evangelizing, accountability, or discipleship, our sole purpose is for others to come to a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. By living in the reality of the gospel, in the truth of his grace, his love compels us to seek that which pleases his heart. Looking back, I never really, really experienced sharing the gospel the way my wife and I are sharing the gospel now. Before, I avoided and said no whenever I'm challenged to share or to disciple or lead a Bible study group. But in reality, I'm not saying no to the person asking me to do it, but to God. Assuring, that's something I want to do and love to do. Was born an usher, will die an usher. <laughs> That's my motto. <laughs> Until our loving God, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the usher of all ushers, <laughs> introduced me to disciple. First, a couple, then two families in a distant land in a distant place in a far far galaxy <laughs> called Eastvale and Riverside <laughs> did you make this <laughs> we praise God for allowing me and my wife to experience his love and grace through the group that we have fellowship with every every Friday. Delicious food, great company, gracious God. What more can we ask for? Okay. We just want to take this opportunity to share with you what God has been doing in our lives for the past 10 months. Riverside, Eastvale Riverside uh, D Group started in August the 2nd, 2013. And we only started with three couples. But that would soon change as God added to our members people who were in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has never been about our works. As you can see, uh, the picture is over there from three couples, okay? It has never been about our works, but has always been about the work of him who has chosen to show us unconditional love. God's promise holds true in that he will be with us always. Our sole motivation for doing what we do and loving the way we do is because he first loved us. We hope and pray that Christ would remain the sole motivation and truth of our lives. May he forever increase that we may decrease and may all glory and praise be to his holy name. At CCF, everyone is encouraged to join a discipleship group because it is a vehicle through which we can further learn about the reality of Jesus in our lives. It is this reality that inspires us to seek him in every aspect of our lives and motivate us to share the good news to all. In Matthew 28, says, When they saw him, worshipped him, but some of them doubted, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus has only ever commanded us to do one thing, Proclaim the good news of what he's done. In Acts 1, 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, 
throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to share the news of Christ with our Jerusalem, which is our home, families, wives, children, Judea, our neighbors, our friends, even our enemies. God placed us on this earth because it needs someone to spread the message of our Savior. When you realize how much you're loved and how much you've truly been forgiven, the gospel becomes too good not to be shared. Trust and obey. To God be the glory. You want to help not usher? See him. It's all about being most blessed, guys. I don't know with you. But if you really ask them, if you, if you ask them how special it is to see people come to God and see their lives change, that's priceless. It's better than winning a jackpot okay, or a lotto. If you see some people broken, lost, come to God, be whole again, and say their lives are better, it's worth it. And that's blessing. That's being most blessed. Being most blessed is Romans 8.28, God causing all things to work together for good. To those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Very simple. See God's vision. Own it. Do it. Go make disciples. Make this your vision. I'm not making this up. God is the one telling us. Grab the tail of the serpent and see God's miracle work in your lives. Be a disciple first yourself. Join a D group near you. In the D group, as Nat said, you'll be guided to learn and to grow to be a committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ until you disciple others yourself. And you will, by God's grace. In CCF, we have a journey for discipleship, in case you don't know. We still don't have the money to complete them, so all you see is grow and believe, okay? If somebody will donate, we will complete that, okay? But the process is for you to believe and then to grow. Somebody will mentor you and then you will multiply. Whether you like it or not, whether you are aware of it or not, we, your leadership, are making you go through the process. And many of you are still probably in the believe and grow portion. But, but at least see the end, see the vision. And do it, because in the end, God will multiply you and will make all things work together for good in your life. Will you commit to pursue God's vision? Between you and God, just between you and God, will you commit to pursue God's vision? But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Seeing, doing, being most blessed. And I would like you to imagine the results of pursuing the vision. Being more blessed, joy and fulfillment in this present life, the glory that awaits you in the afterlife and in heaven. I can go on and on. They're all so beautiful, aren't they? Just like how God richly rewarded Moses, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, and all of the others, I am sure God would richly reward people who work, to make, work very hard to make the weekend encounter possible. Butch, give them a big hand, okay? Ike, look at those people. Pastor Reggie, you know, they work very hard to make the weekend encounter possible, to make people hear the gospel. And those of you who are here, weren't you blessed? Didn't you, didn't you understand that, you know, all along, we are consistent in what, we, what God wants us to do because he will reward us.
God, in the end, will richly reward your faith and your obedience. And I would like to end by saying, may God bless us all as we pursue our vision, God's vision. Commit to a D group. Start being discipled and discipling others. And oh, be committed to this by being baptized. We didn't forget that. Okay? There are some of you who probably wanted to be baptized okay, today. Just those of you who attended the weekend encounter. And, you know, Pastor Song will describe this that you will have a chance to commit to the vision and pursue the vision by being baptized. And trust me, if you want to be blessed, see God's vision and do God's vision.